Poise for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now, here's your host, award-winning certified exit planning advisor, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the exit planning podcast show. Today's guest is managing director of a large privately held commercial insurance agency. And we're going to talk with him about risk management and how it fits into the exit planning ecosystem for business owners. But first, we're going to hear from our show sponsors. What we see with many businesses is that they've never gotten marketing to work consistently and the marketing they do doesn't meaningfully impact their bottom line. Data approaches it differently by partnering with clients for long-term, sustainable marketing solutions. They start with a consultative, crawl, walk, run approach that helps you scale your marketing efforts naturally. Data provides marketing for the long-time success of your business to tell your story in a compelling way and to make sure the value you bring is apparent to everyone. Go to data.com for more information. That's D-A-Y-T-A dot com. TrustPoint will design and manage a 401k plan that fits your company's needs. They handle everything from record keeping and investments to employee education and ongoing administration. And they take on the highest level of fiduciary responsibility to ensure your 401k plan is compliant. You already have plenty to keep you up at night. Your 401k plan should not be one of them. Visit TrustPointInc.com for more details. For business owners, it can be overwhelming to start planning a transition or exit strategy, but it's so important to avoid unwanted outcomes and unexpected tax bills. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you and help make sense of the numbers. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we've assisted countless companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business is a process that takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. That's jakcpa.com. Attention all business owners, are you seeking to learn more about exit planning? True North Mergers and Acquisitions is excited to announce our M&A Summit. Join us on September 13th at the Minneapolis Event Center, for a day full of panels, guest speakers, and breakout sessions that will emphasize profitability for your business. Register for this free event today at www.tnma.com events. The summit will feature keynote speaker Russell Price, the chief economist for Ameriprise Financial, whose work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and Bloomberg News. Join us on September 13th at the Minneapolis Event Center for our M&A Summit. Register for this free event today at www.tnma.com events. Space is limited, so register today. We got another outstanding event coming up that you won't want to miss. The Twin Cities chapter of the Exit Planning Institute is hosting our fifth annual Owners Forum on Thursday, October 5th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Midland Hills Country Club in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to be talking about the state of business owner preparedness and how you can increase enterprise value with some fabulous speakers, as well as share the results of the State of Owner Readiness Survey. For more information, see the show notes so you can register for this important event. We'd love to see you there. Welcome back, everyone. We are here today with Derek Gruber, who is the Managing Director at Cox Insurance. Derek, welcome to Poised for Exit. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. I... um, 
kind of looked back over the last three or so years of producing this show and realized that we've really never talked about how commercial insurance and mm. risk management tie into the exit planning ecosystem. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah. And what's funny about that is oftentimes we're the last people that people reach out to when it comes to business planning and, um, you know, it's a very important aspect of their business. So big, huge, glad yeah. to have me on. Especially when, you know, when you realize that you needed it and didn't know, right? Absolutely. We're going to get into yeah. that a little bit. Yep. So before we do though, I'd just like to talk with you just briefly about you. So sure. How did you get into this role, um, insurance, and particularly business and commercial? And sure. so, what led you here? Well, I, I'll start by I graduated at the wrong time. So I graduated back in 2003. Um, I was actually an MIS major, so like a management information systems uh, background. And at that time, basically the whole dot com thing happened. So it was mm. hard to find a job, hard mm. to find anything in IT. And I did have a brother. He was in the business as a sales manager with a local insurance company in Des Moines. So he said, hey, if you want to work your way through the company side or, and, and maybe eventually get to the IT aspect of things, why not try insurance and see if it works out? And if you if you like it, then you can migrate over to the IT department. But I got into the underwriting side, and next thing you know, I'm, I stuck with it. And then I got to sales, to wholesale. Now I'm client-facing for like the last eight years, so it's been quite the journey. So a tech geek who loves to be around the clients. I mean, that is amazing. Strange, yeah. It's two sides of the brain, you know. Well, I actually wanted to be this thing called a consultant. You know, yeah. back in the day, there people were making apparently lots of money, and I didn't exactly know what that meant. So, um, <laughs> But there was, the, you know, obviously IT consultants at the time. And, sure. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of full circle, I'm actually doing it right now just on a different aspect. So as risk management and insurance, just consulting business owners on that front. You so. definitely are, yeah, yeah in, a, in a big way. So um, first of all, I wanted you to share with our listeners the stewardship sure. um, program and customer advocacy. What does that mean to you and to your clients, and, and how did that all evolve in, at Cox? Yeah, so I, I should probably back up even further. So my, if I back up probably about 10 years ago, I had a friend of mine, he, he purchased an insurance agency, and he said, hey, why don't you come move your family across the country and uh, run my commercial department for me and, and kind of have a lot of fun doing. So that was for a, a small firm, uh, pretty much like a boutique risk management operations. And I did that. And at that time, we talked about this thing called stewardship. You know, how could we be different than, say, like the big comp competitors out there? Mm. And basically what it boils down to is we can have proactive planning with your clients throughout the life cycle of their business. So it's not just a set it, forget it kind of situation. You are involved with their business. And to provide proper advice and ongoing advice, you have to know their business inside and out. So that's where it started. Um, fast forward, now I'm with a new firm. I, I you know, worked for both a small firm and also a large national agency. Mm -hmm. And nothing wrong with the large national agencies. I just had to get back to the boutique side where you could actually have relationships with your clients and provide proper advice. So mm -hmm. that's the, uh, the genesis of stewardship. Okay. Yeah. And so when we talk about that, when you talk about, uh, I, it's so funny that you say set and forget because it seems like that's kind of how a lot of us roll with sure. our insurance yep. and we really don't even know how much coverage we have or if we have the right kind or enough until we have to make a claim. And then we're like, oh, mm -hmm. I guess it doesn't work. Yep. But we haven't actually heard from our advisor. Yep. And you see yourself as an advisor. Absolutely. Not as an agent. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. I love the distinction. Yes. 
Yeah, it's a huge distinction. Yep. It means it means everything. It's totally relationship based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of the most common and misunderstood coverages for businesses. Yeah, um, I'll start off with mostly what I'll say the the executive management line. So mm. within that space, you got a couple key areas: uh, directors and officers coverage. Um, cyber liability, which is where again I have to bring this full circle, having the IT background. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the, it's it's kind of one of the fun areas as far as risk management goes because it's quickly evolving and changes rapidly. You know, every mm-hmm. three to six months. So that is a a product that is often confusing. Folks don't understand either how to explain it or even where to even begin with uh, the proper questions. So that's a big one. Uh, employment practices liability is another big one for this management liability division. So um, I I would start there. And then depending on the industry that you are in, you know, workers' comp can be a big Mm -hmm. issue if you're manufacturing or construction. Those are always big topics where you have, you know, high high employee counts with maybe safety sensitive positions. Right. And that does affect, you know, the the company's bottom line. So definitely. Well, let's unpack that cyber liability. Sure. You said it changes every three to six months. (laughs) You must constantly be reading. Yes, yes, you have to. So, uh, and the marketplace changes drastically. So, you know, if I backed up three years ago, it was easier to get policies than it is today. Now it's it's stabilized a little bit. So what what it boils down to is um, most folks have probably heard of multi-factor authentication at this point because it's become sort of the gold standard for a lot of insurance carriers to implement that for just to even get a policy in place to begin with. Isn't it required? It's required, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. In most industries. Now, some industries, they don't care as much if, say, you have a lower um, risk in that space. But um, that is that is the norm. And now there's other cybersecurity protocols that are actually being implemented. They're saying, hey, um, if this keeps evolving the way it is and, and claims continue to rise, that we're going to ask new requirements to come down the pipe, too. Aren't so, there carriers that have dropped it all together too? There's carriers that have dropped it all together, so there's less mm-hmm. capacity. So mm-hmm. all that means to the consumer is you got to have your 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 house in order with the right cybersecurity, and then you also have to make sure that you are just staying on top of your risk because it's it's evolving so quickly. With capacity being limited right now, it's harder and harder to find the right amounts of coverage. So, so when we talk about getting our house in order, what mm-hmm. does that look like? I'm a business owner and. I'm a typical policyholder with Cox, and I, I I know that I need this coverage. What are the protocols? So it, it depends on the industry. So okay. So let's just pretend you know the top three industries that are mostly affected right now are going to be, you know, healthcare, which is the obvious. You have a lot of protected information in that space. Um, manufacturing. So if you have a, a, mm. a highly automated um, just operation systems, and Imagine something happening to your guys' system where you're locked down and you're held for ransom. Well, that right. is going to obviously hurt your ability to produce whatever you're making. So, right. so it, it does depend on the industry. And there's others as well, financial services like like insurance companies. Like we have to have the right protocols in place as well and the right amounts of coverage. Uh, so the specific, you know, tools that you need, we always say we try to – we actually do partner with a couple of cybersecurity firms – and so while we're not experts on that end of things, we kind of understand the language and know-how. So mm-hmm. we, we partner with those folks to say, let's have a two-pronged approach. Let's have strong cybersecurity up front, and then let's transfer the transfer the unknown piece of that to a strong cyber liability insurance policy. So, so. when you say you partner with them, are, are these companies that kind of go in and do like a forensic study? Yeah, they'll do more or less like an assessment. An assessment, yeah. Of okay. their current environment. and. Okay. 
-hmm. On top of that, most of the insurance companies, when they go through their supplemental applications, Mm -hmm. you more or less have to go through a line item of questions about what is your environment look like right right now. And then if you answer things incorrectly, well, that's going to make it difficult for you to find the right amounts of coverage. So we can deploy their services to help plug in those holes. Yeah. I mean, you want to put your best foot forward, right? So having that done ahead of time before you apply makes a lot of sense. Yep. For sure. 100%. Yep. Um, And, you know, like you said, my gosh, your IT background, that's that's like a glove. It's funny how it came full circle. Yeah. It's like a glove for sure. Yep. How about directors and officers? Yeah. So directors and officers, that's one. It's There's a lot of... um, just like cyber liabilities, a lot that's misunderstood within that space itself, too. So I, I always try to make this uh, in simple terms. So think of directors and officers as like management, you know, errors and omissions types of insurance. So it protects both the, the, the company and also the individual directors and officers of that company from, from personal lawsuits. So decisions made on behalf of the company and sources of claims can come from a, a, a host of different sources, whether it be creditors investors, um, former employees, current employees, you name it. So mm-hmm. more or less you're trying to protect, and it, this goes for both for-profit and non-profit too, which is all, often a big um, misunderstanding as well. So, mm. so again, understanding what is at stake. You know, if you're making a decision on behalf of a specific company, you want to make sure that you're protected as an individual too. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of that before. I always mm-hmm. think, you know, about the company having, you know, protection, you know, right. against um, litigation. But, yeah, when you're in a leadership position, it would make sense that you can cover yourself that way too, sure. right? Something mm-hmm. as simple, this is kind of a fun one too, so like um, perhaps not buying the correct amount of insurance or buying the right insurance can, can fall as a specific, you know, claim back to you. Mm. As a as a decision maker for the company, mm. so not buying, for example, you're aware of like the cyber risk and not buying cyber liability, that can potentially lead to a directors and officers claim. Wow. Yep. So how is that different than regular professional E&O insurance? Yep. So professional E&O again, that's very specific to your industry. Industry, so, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can go f- anywhere from someone being a consultant. So say you're a management consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less your policy is written as what is your services and it's built into the specific policy itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have other professional liabilities, so you have it across the board from, um, let's just take, uh, you could be a doctor or a dentist, you have your own professional malpractice, which is a type of errors and admission insurance. So, right. And think of it, it could be a, a financial, it's the differentiate, differentiator between general liability and professional liability is it's a financial loss to to the company as opposed to, say, a bodily injury or third-party liability claim. So so someone f- makes um, an error that causes your client a financial loss, and then they sue you, mm-hmm. that's a professional liability claim. Sure. You know, you know. Different than, like you said, general liability. They Correct. slip on your sidewalk because you didn't ice it or whatever. Or, Correct. Or de-ice or, it. Yeah. Or if you... Um, damage someone else's property say you're you're a contractor and sure. you, you cause damage to someone else's property that's yeah it's a, a big gl claim i've had a couple clients that have lived through that a Correct. few times yeah, yeah. Yep. for sure um okay so industry specific mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about um just i want to go back to the cyber liability again mm-hmm. and i'm sure that you have some clients like some specific client stories that you could share sure yeah um just wrapped up a new client, actually partnering with this cybersecurity firm. 
Um, I don't know if I can plug it or not, but you, you know the individual as well. But anyway, so they, they suffered a breach before either one of us was involved. Um, a breach early part of this year. Basically, they had some other servers held ransom. Oh. Um, they did have a policy in place, which is great. Now, the trouble was how it was handled. So they were not big fans of the current company that they were with because when you buy a cyber liability policy, you're buying like a whole a data, data breach response team. Mm. basically assuming you have a coach who's going to coach you through the whole um, process. So you go through forensics, you go through figuring out what actually happened to um, the data itself, restoration of the data, um, privacy notifications. It goes on and on. Those are all first-party claims. Mm -hmm. And so to my understanding, the the trouble they had is they didn't really have a great relationship with the coach that they actually worked with. Mm -hmm. In other words, they didn't understand that client's specific cyber needs. Mm. So that led to get us getting involved with the cybersecurity firm to say, hey, you've had a breach already. You're going to be kind of hard to place because of just what's happened recently. And more or less, they had to go through a whole uh, list of cybersecurity just to get like access to the right policy. Mm. And we got it done. It took some time. It, there was incredible underwriting behind that. But you know, that's a good example of where Something's happened, and we can help on the back end. But I'd say if there's something we can do before that even happens, let's work on that. Oh, yeah. You Proactive know? every day, right? Yep. Absolutely, in and this, this world. And this was a company that was their, their SaaS company, mm-hmm. a software as a service. So, And they've been around for quite some time. They, you know, they're, they're very smart individuals, but sometimes mm-hmm. you know, the busyness, busyness of life happens, and so it's hard for them to really stay on top of things. So. Yeah, there is yeah. kind of a lot to stay on top of when you own a business, isn't there? Correct. And yeah. there's also the human aspect right. when it comes to technology. So that's oftentimes when claims happen is either someone clicking on something they're not supposed to yes. or just kind of letting their guard down. So Isn't that the, the, the number one claim, business email compromise? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So does the coach, like when you get the cyber uh, coverage, does the coach actually go in and do the tests with the employees to see what they do? Well, the coach, um, the data breach coach, typically is, is being deployed when a claim happens. Oh, so they're the reactive, not the proactive. Correct. Got Correct. it. Okay. Whereas working with a cybersecurity firm and then our, our yes. agency as an example. Right. So again, having security up front and then the right policy in place on the back end because we can't predict everything that's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I wish I had a, a crystal ball, but I don't. We don't, yep. no. And, and I understand, too, that, um, that the victims of cyber attack are not just larger companies. They're going after the smaller companies, too, because the smaller companies tend to have less protection, right? You nailed it, yeah. So mm-hmm. you know a little bit about you know cyber liability and protection, yeah. Yeah, well... Absol- I mean, so yeah. to your point, it's uh, less security in place, less sophistication, less training, right? you know, and they're easier targets. Mm-hmm. So I always say just don't be the slowest person if you're getting chased by a bear you right. know? <laughs> like, be faster than the slowest one <laughs> it's, it's gonna happen it's just try to try to outrun the competition yeah yep. isn't that the case like yep. like it's not if it's when yep. and i think that we all need to remember that because there's i'm sure that everybody out there has can name at least someone they know if not themselves that oh, yeah. it's happened to either personally or professionally tons and tons of stories so, yeah, i know i can read. All right, so let's talk about exit planning. Yeah. Let's talk about risk management sure. and how commercial insurance plays a role in that, a big yeah. role. Yeah, I always say, you know, if someone is considering whether they're looking to sell or purchase a, a business, you know, so understanding that just having your whole due diligence in place. 
And part of that process is going to be risk management. And mm-hmm. risk management to me is going to be something beyond just the right insurance policies. It's understanding kind of where are your risks across the board. And if anything can be perhaps transferred to the proper insurance policy, then let's explore that. So again, um, we do these things. We call them due diligence reports, which are basically assessments, you know, mm-hmm. so we can look at the current. So if you are selling, um, as I mentioned early on, let's make sure we have your house in order. Make sure you have the right uh, loss transfer with, again, insurance policies, but also are you protecting things by taking loss prevention measures from, you know, so like, kind of like strong cybersecurity up front, like pre- preventative measures up front. Um, having both are kind of important steps. So that's important. And then as a potential buyer, you also want to make sure that you know what you're getting into. So if something mm-hmm. is perhaps a pending litigation from a lawsuit, right? I'm sure they're going to want to know that. And again, there's coverages that you can buy, but also yes, um, just knowing what you're getting to is probably the, mm-hmm. the biggest thing I can, I can mention. So does uh, reps and warranties, how does that play into all of this? Yep, that's important. Reps and warranty, um, I'll add quickly as a footnote, tail, tail coverage too. For the, yeah, tail coverage. For the, for the seller. So reps and warranty is typically going to be kind of as the name implies, so coverage for mm-hmm. the transaction of the business. Um, both parties can purchase it, and oftentimes you see it kind of baked into the sale of the, of the business itself. Mm-hmm. So just as the name implies, so if there's any misrepresentations um, or breach of warranty, um, just kind of high level, it's going to cover your, 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 your behind something does happen. So mm-hmm. that's a big one. Um, and then tail coverage. So if you're the one selling the business and you have these professional policies, policies in place, which are claims made, ensuring that giving comfort to the new buyers, understanding that if there's a claim that happens after the fact because of something that happened in the past during – the, after the new effective date, and, and not to get into the weeds on the mechanics of that, how that policy works, you can buy specific tail coverage to run out, whether it be two, three, six years, whatever it might be. Mm. So, uh, and that's very, very common for, for claims made policies. Mm, interesting. Kind of reminds me of, um, I mean, it's not the same thing, but years ago when I owned a couple of different title insurance companies, mm-hmm. and those were, you know, we ran those when I was a entrepreneur, still an entrepreneur, but you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, coverage for that, that's always backwards. It's not forwards. Yep. So your insurance from, from the date of the settlement back. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Very cool. All right. Well, um, this has been fantastic. Um, tips. Let's talk about what our listeners, the business owners out there who are thinking about, well, first of all, like even if they're not thinking about exit, like there's, they're growing, they're innovating, um, they're probably acquiring, they're thinking about all those different things. What are some of the things for those listeners as well as those that are planning to um, transition soon? Sure. Some tips. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go back to what I sort of defined early on with stewardship. So stewardship for us, it's ongoing management of their risk. So what that means is if you are in a, a business where maybe you're experiencing high growth, or maybe even if you're downsizing, if there's a lot of change within your business, mm-hmm. having an advisor who understands what's going on and, and more or less right-sizing your coverage is super important. So um, if you are experiencing tremendous amounts of growth, then let's, let's, let's have regular, regular quarterly meetings. We do that all the time with our clients to say, how can we not necessarily predict, but how can we have the right amount of coverage as you do grow your business? So, mm-hmm. And what that shows to anybody out there is like if, if you – 
if you have your house in order, you take care of your employees, you take care of your business, you're protecting your, one of your biggest assets. Um, that should make it a, a easier transaction. Um, of course, again, there's going to be a lot of due diligence on the back end, but going into that, you should feel much better about having that proactive approach with your plan, with your with your risk management. So. Fabulous. Well, yeah. the, the whole overall goal of this show is to educate the listener on some of the things that they can do to prepare for that future transition. And when we talk about exit, exit is a form of transition. There are mm-hmm. lots of different forms of transition, right? You just talked about one where we're talking about acquisition. That is a form of transition. Correct. So anytime it seems to me that you're going to be going through some form of transition, it's always a good idea for you to go through and have some of these assessments and audits sure. done, right? so that you're laying the right, the right groundwork for the next thing. Correct. And I can add a quick um, yeah. story if you're okay. So like this sure. is another recent example of where it was a client that was um, from first to second generation. It was a manufacturer here in Minnesota. They suspected, one, that things were not right with the current program, and they also didn't feel like they had great stewardship or education with what was in place. So we went through the whole assessment, did a whole due diligence report saying this is exactly where you are. We benchmarked against peers. We said, hey, this is your we – ra- we ranked their risk in order of importance or, or high priority. And then we came through with a solution. And in this case, we actually identified specific over-reporting on their exposures, which actually saved them premiums on the back end, which was super Oh, huge. yeah. So sometimes um, audits don't catch those mm-hmm. because in some regards, audits are not – deployed depending on the industry and without going to the details it was significant revenue whereas misreported so wow yeah well and to your point about premium you know a lot of times owners don't want to have that insurance audit because they're afraid that they're going to have to add coverage and it's going to cost them more but you're also in there to help them figure out where are they spending money that they don't need to correct yep. yeah yep. yeah all right yep. Well, cool. Derek, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We'll have all your contact information in our show notes. We'll be tagging you on social. So for those of you out there who want to know more and learn more about Derek Gruber and Cox Insurance, you'll be able to do that. Thank you so much for joining us and join us again next time.